0: Welcome to the Work Life Brilliance podcast with executive coach and best-selling author, Denise Renee Green. Denise fills each episode with humor, compassion, knowledge, and pragmatism to help you transform your life. Listen in and learn how you can tame your brain, lower your stress, and become the person you were born to be.
1: my friends and welcome to the podcast. This one is going to be so fun. I can guarantee it. My guest is Jennifer Chapman. She is a recovered perfectionist and she is the founder of Ambition Leadership and she is responsible for developing the next generation of influential leaders like some other friends of yours that might be on the podcast as well. So we have the same mission in life and we go about it in different but similar ways. And so we have a lot to talk about. We're going to be focusing today mostly on how to help you feel more in control in your career with things that might usually feel really out of control for you. So please help me welcome Jennifer. Jennifer,
0: how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing so great. And it's been really fun getting to know you.
1: I know it's been fun getting to know you too. And we've only had chats over email, but we're already fast friends. And what you can't tell is that Jennifer's also gorgeous. And despite being the mom of five and uh, the mom of a working dog, she manages somehow to have perfect lipstick. So y'all can't see that, but I can. So you should be jealous. All right, so Jennifer, why don't you start with, what are you noticing? So clearly I'm just gonna timestamp this for folks. Um, we are doing this in November, shortly after the presidential election, people have been sheltered in or working in barren offices um, under extreme conditions for quite a few months now. So that's where we are. And we've both been coaching folks during this hard time. And so you came to me talking about, you know, um, influence and managing your reputation and all these good things, but what's, what do you, what are you really noticing? What are the biggest pain points that you're noticing with your clients?
0: I think sometimes we feel dumb, chalking things up to the stress of the pandemic, but in reality, this is ongoing trauma. And I've I've talked to a lot of people, including therapists, and they said that we're not giving ourselves enough space to be just okay with this is not a normal time. And we joke about the new normal, um, but there's nothing normal about it. And we can usually handle things if it's for a finite period of time. But the big challenge is that we don't know when this is going to end. And then, of course, on top of it, we've had the elections and. A lot of unrest in our country so if you think about all the time having that as an underlying stress and then you have all your normal stresses on top of it and then there's an added layer of a lot of organizations really struggling whether it's with uh, budget constraints a lot of companies have been able to keep their employees but they have had a pull back on incentives bonuses raises Hiring their hiring freezes, so people who feel overworked and we're counting on that assistant are not getting that kind of help, and so people are just treading water and wondering, you know, how long do I have to keep my head up? And it's stretched everybody's nerves out to, you know, break at any moment.
1: Well said. Okay, so you mentioned a couple of teas. Um, one is trauma, and. I don't know about you, but when somebody names something for me, I feel better. So there might be somebody out there going, what? I'm in trauma. But I think a lot of people are going to go, oh, I'm in trauma. Mm." (laughs) I remember when a friend said to me, and she literally sees energy, she says, oh, you're in terror, another T. And I started laughing. I'm like, yes, it has a name, terror. Okay, I know what to do with that. so I do hope people will give themselves some credit that even though life is full of uncertainty, we act as if it's not, you know, we just get through it. We're human doers, not human beings for the most part. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> We just check things off. Like, well, I'll just do that, I'll do that. But this, you can't check off, right? There's, there's, there's too much going on.
0: Exactly. And I think self-care right now is a premium. And it, it actually, it's got to be on your priority list because of trauma. Think about it. If you got into a car accident or if you had a loved one in your family pass away, you wouldn't expect yourself to be functioning at the same level that you always have been. Like, this is the time to, if you can, get an extra hour of sleep at night or take that nap in the middle of the day have some dinners in the freezer that are, you know, for those days where you don't feel like cooking and, and don't be critical of needing to do those things. You are taking care of yourself in a time of trauma.
1: Okay. That is so important. And also bookmark in case I forget, um, we're going to talk about making requests because that is one of the things. So I work with a lot of women I work with men and women, but in my private program, um, it's mostly women and they have a terrible time making requests and asking for help. And during times like this, it's like like you said, if you got hit by a car, which everybody knows I have been, and it doesn't matter, Once, once you've been hit by the car, you just have to, you just have to do it. You just have to ask for help. So treat your life right now as if You are going through a trauma. And then what would you do differently? I had a woman recently who is a go, go, go person. She has a high capacity for workaholism. And normally she does pretty fine. She now is taking an Epsom salt bath every night. And she Mm. said, I never, ever thought I would do that. And it's not just the bath. It's the combination of the Epsom salts, which draws out toxins. It helps your nerves heal and it helps your joints heal. So just something as simple as that, and you can listen to music while you're doing it, you can drink a tea or whatever you want to drink during it, but think of things that might feel really indulgent but are actually gonna refuel you and build you up so you have more capacity to not just take care of yourself but to take care of the world like y'all are doing.
0: Yeah, exactly. And one thing I do is sometimes even just taking the normal things we do anyway, but putting a different frame on it can be rejuvenating. So I have a dog whom I love and we don't have a fenced yard, so we do a lot of walks. <laughs> and my, I started one time in the afternoon, I was taking him out and it was a nice day outside and I started noticing him sniffing and wondering what he was sniffing and what, what could he smell that I couldn't, and what got his attention. And then he looked around and wondering, you know, at his level, what would I be seeing and. Um, And then the wind started blowing and he put his face right into the wind. And I thought, this is so fun. And so for the whole rest of our walk, we walked for about 20 minutes. I tried to keep myself in this space of how is Brutus experiencing this walk? (laughs) And you know, I have a really hard time turning off my brain, but when I focused on my senses like that, what am I hearing? What am I smelling? What am I seeing? And, and, And sometimes stopping to pet Brutus it really helped me shut everything else out and be present. And I try to do that every day, even when the weather's not the greatest. I try to have a Brutus whack where I think like he does.
1: Okay, that is so brilliant. Um, (laughs) If I were my dog, I would notice a lot of cats. (laughs) (laughs) I would be constantly on the lookout for the nefarious black cat that taunts him from across the street. uh, you're also reminding me of the movie. It was it was a series. I think it was on Netflix, might be on Amazon, with Paul Rudd, where he becomes a clone of himself. He he clones himself, and he sticks his head out the window like a dog would because he's a new human being without all the baggage mm. of the normal office worker, <laughs> <laughs> and he's able to ex- access that joy and that novelty and that newness. So if you know, um, that's great advice. All right, so. Let's talk about the reality that people are in where, I mean, I know there's some people who are just happy to have a job, but I know there are other people who feel like they want to keep growing. They want to keep advancing. And yet, as you said, they're not even able to hire. And you know, companies learned way back in the dot-com bubble that they can just make the people they have work harder. They can fire people, they can let them go and not rehire them. And lo and behold, people will just work harder and find a way to get it done. So let's talk about how people can get what they want, get what they need by making requests or at least make a case that actually helps their reputation versus harming their reputation for Mm -hmm. what resources they want, whether it's, you know, yeah, a lot of people want more salary and a lot of people want a promotion, but some people don't. Some people are afraid of a promotion. I had a woman just break down. She's not even my client. I was talking to her about one of her people and I sent something in her voice. And I said, how are you really doing? And she just broke down. She's like, they want to hire me. They want to promote me. And she's like, I never see my kids as it is. Mm-hmm. So there's an ask behind that, that she's not making whether it's an ask for uh, fewer meetings, I'm sure that's one of them, working back to back. So I do a lot with my folks around saying no. Yes. But I know you have some tips and tricks about saying uh, I need or I want. So let's, let's just talk about making requests for a, for a minute. So what are some tips that you have for folks?
0: Well, so first I do want to touch on um, how to respond to requests and like you said, I love that you're working with your people on um, saying no. But then also keep in mind, it's not just yes or no. You can also commit to commit. So one thing that sometimes happens is we're busy doing something. And it, um, whether it's someone walks past you in the hallway or whether it's that IM that pops up on your screen, people will ask for something right then. And when we put on, are put on the spot, especially as women, we almost always say yes, because we're afraid of the consequence of saying no. And that's the perfect time to commit to commit. And you can just you know, type back on the IM or say as you're passing the hall, let me check my calendar and I'll get back to you today by close of business. Let me earn or, or let me check my deadlines on another project I'm working on and I'll get back to you tomorrow morning. And and you want to give a specific time that you're gonna get back to them and honor that because then they feel like you're just shoving them aside. But it gives you a chance to just step back, take a breath, and be strategic. And you know, and maybe it's that you don't have the bandwidth, but you know someone who does. And that takes us to the fourth option of counter offering. And I can say, hey Sam, I would love to help you on that paper. I am swamped, but I know Julia has the bandwidth, let me connect the two of you and see if that would be a good fit. And so when we have a chance to pause and really think about, is this something I can take on? Is this something I wanna take on? And if not, you've got ways that you can at least slow down and not be saying yes to everything without really having time to think about it.
1: Oh yes, please slowing down. In fact, I would even slow it down more and whatever people's original inclination is. So maybe they take your advice and they decide, well, I'm going to say, I'll get back to you by the end of the day. I would say triple that. (laughs) Just like push it out. Say, okay, can I get to you by Friday? I'll get back to you by Friday. Not even can I, but I'm going to get back to you by Friday. And Mm -hmm. guess what? That person's going to figure it out by Friday. They're going to figure it out. (laughs) Or you're going to get clear. And of course, like you said, you know, Put it on your calendar that you said you were going to do that by Friday, but notice what your inclination is. And right before we got on this um, interview, and she said, mom, my, this boy in my class just asked me if I would send him the math homework. And before he finished his sentence, I said, no. <laughs> she just said, no. I said, honey, do you want to come do the interview with me? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he wasn't a superior, he wasn't a person, but still, for a 13-year-old girl to say no like that to a boy, I'm just like, you go, girl. Uh, she's like, I- I've already helped him
0: once. He can figure it out. He needs to figure it out on his own. <laughs> That's great. I love it. And yeah, so many things that we learn in school or don't learn mm-hmm. continue on with us as we get older. Right. Um, but it's amazing what people will figure it out if you don't do
1: it for them. And also... So- Some people just have the habit of asking. Like I sometimes have a habit of asking people a question and before I've actually thought it through and them not responding to me gets me in the practice of figuring it out on my own, like tech issues. Hmm. My habitual go-to was to send an email to somebody who was more tech savvy than I and I've developed resourcefulness. So, a person will develop resource analysis. It's amazing what you can Google when you ask yourself a few questions and, and what you can figure out. Absolutely. Right. So, so great that, advice on how to uh, put boundaries in place. So what would you say for somebody who really wants to ask something that scares the crap out of them? They want to ask senior leadership for something like
0: not going to a meeting or raise. What's your advice on that? The biggest, adv- the biggest tip, I can give for how to advocate is you have to put what you want in terms of how it's going to benefit someone else or the organization because honestly i think a lot of times leadership they they don't really care (laughs) we'd like to think they do and some wonderful leaders do but there are a lot who it's like it's about the bottom line or it's about getting the projects done quality on time And so then when we come up to them and say, hey, there's a computer software that I would like to buy for my team uh, because I think it would help us, blah, 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 they're just hearing your voice like a Charlie Brown teacher. And if you instead can put it in terms of what does leadership care about? And again, so they care about the bottom line. So So think about how is what you're asking for in the long run going to save them money? Number two is, how is it going to contribute to tasks and projects being completed more accurately? Or how is it going to help things be done on time? And if you can connect it back to one of those things for the organization or for that leader, him or herself, then they're going to be much more likely to listen and hear value in what you're proposing. So for an example, let's say you are wanting More payment, Uh, you want a higher salary, or you are advocating for a bonus. And they might think, well, you know, that's nice for you, but be grateful you have a job, job right now. But if you can then say, look, this is what I've accomplished this last year for this organization. And by having an incentive or a reward for those accomplishments, I'm going to be in a better position. To continue inspiring my team to accomplish X, Y, and Z, or um, you know, if I don't want—I love this company. I'd like to stay here, and I'm seeing my market. When I've done market research, I could be making twenty thousand dollars more at a lot of our competitors. I don't want to leave, but I might need to start looking elsewhere if you—if our rates here aren't competitive. And that would leave you in a position of having to do hiring or recruiting, and then that would cost a lot of money. So put it in terms of something that they care about and that resonates with them.
1: Okay, so something really important that was implied in that, and I love that advice. Some people might have taken what you said at the the example you gave at the end as a threat. And it is not a threat. It no. is a fact. And. and A threat is different from a consequence. A consequence is information. A threat is I'm going to do you harm. A consequence is this thing might happen and I'm giving you some uh, heads up. I'm giving you advance warning so then this thing won't happen. I'm giving you control over whether this thing happens or not. Especially analytical people love to know all the consequences. They're looking for consequences. So when you present something like, I make 25% more, whatever you said, uh, or I could make 25% more if I left. I've done the research. They're not taking that as a thread. They're taking that as information that is a gift. Oh, I have more to work with now when I go into that meeting and I'm having to calibrate performance and stuff like that. So even people who aren't analytical, they will see this as um, you showing your cards in a poker game. It's like, you're giving them a gift. So now they know how to play their hand better. So first of all, you know, I I really help people reframe and upgrade their thoughts. If you're thinking making a request is selfish and it's going to sound threatening, you got to get rid of that. And you got to see that this is a gift to the other person, unless you're lying, (laughs) there's nothing wrong with this. Now, if you're just playing if you're acting and pretending and you haven't actually done your research, well, then that's a problem but otherwise this is a gift to this other person.
0: Yes, and I'm glad you mentioned that because you're right this could go horribly wrong if you're trying to be manipulative or if you're lying. <laughs> so um I work a lot with STEM leaders, science, technology, engineering and mathematics or financials. And so they tend to be that group of people tends to be very analytical, very data driven. So Anytime you make a request in that kind of an organization, you want to have facts, you want to have data and have it all laid out for them that you have to take the emotion out of it. And I'd say that's good advice whenever you're talking about job, salary, anything along those lines, take the emotion out of it and be factual. So if you're gonna say, hey, I've done market research and other comp- our competitors are paying positions like mine You know x percent higher you better be able to say and look here's my spreadsheet with with the numbers so they know you're not just trying to pull something off here and i I find just data 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 take out the emotion and it's much much easier to have a normal conversation that doesn't get awkward that doesn't get heated and it won't sound like a threat
1: yeah and I think in leadership positions, that will almost always work for you. And then there are some leaders who are very heart-based. They might be a two on the Enneagram, the considerate helper. And then emotion will be effective and, and helpful there in addition to the data. But you still got to give that person data to take to
0: whoever they need to influence. Yes. Uh, and then whatever consequence you decide, it you've got to be... Committed to following through on that consequence. So for example, I I was working at a very large consulting firm I had done very well, and I had a lot of responsibility I was middle management in the organization and then The company decided to make some cuts and they they laid off Oh, I don't even remember what percent it was like 25% of the leaders just above me so, what happened? Well, they went to people at my level and said, All right, we're doubling your staff that you're responsible for. We're, you're, we're doubling the expectation on how much business development you bring in and, and yada, yada, yada. And I remember just being stunned at first. And then I asked, Will this then include a, a title change? No. Will any bonuses or salaries change? no. And I remember hanging up the phone thinking, you know, if I'm going to work my butt off that hard and that many hours, then I'm going to do it for my own company. And that (laughs) seriously was when it was November of 2011. And I had somewhat of a business plan for my own business, but I kicked it into high gear. And on leap day 2012, I left and I told them when I said I was when I put in my notice. I, t- I said them exactly what I just said that if i they, that was just way too much to ask for what they were going to give me in return and if I was going to work that hard it would be for myself and they had nothing to say like they what do you say to that right <laughs> like there's um, nothing they could offer that would make me stay that they were willing to offer and i left and I, and I haven't looked back it was so invigorating but can you imagine if i had said that? But then I was too scared to go out on my own. And then right. not—you know if I wavered at all, the whole thing would have backfired completely.
1: Yes. And that is when courage has to come into play. And it's that fear of the unknown that keeps us in hell. Because you would have been in hell. Your life would have gone down the drain. Your health, um, your nervous system. Because you said at the beginning, there was another T. you said that I want to call out treading water. Well, you can only tread water for so long and then you drown and overwhelmed. People were overwhelmed before the shelter in and before we had a global pandemic. People were overwhelmed and overwhelm, If you look it up in the dictionary is feeling inundated and submerged underwater. Cool. You can only do it for a very short time And then you can't breathe. And so it's not sustainable. And then burnout is even worse. Burnout is like all the conditions of overwhelm, but with incredible cynicism on top of it, which is the futility where you feel like, why even bother asking? They're not going to give it to me. You feel no sense of control. So what you just gave people was door number three, which is, you get out of the pool, you put your head above water, and you go into sit in the hot tub instead, or whatever that you take charge and you change your environment, and you can make the case. You know, you can try and make the case. I had a, um, I had a, a manager director that was um, a client of mine at the beginning of the shelter in, and they weren't going to let her fill two positions, and they gave everybody. Like one sentence, give us one sentence to make a case for why you would need a new position. And she said, well, screw that. I'm gonna give them the actual case. And so she wrote a couple paragraphs and gave them the, like you said, what are the consequences? What have we done and what will, what projects won't we do? Because here's what she knew. And this is for STEM leaders and any leader because it's hard for leaders to understand that humans have non-infinite capacity. But she gave them the equation. I have 24 hours in a day. My staff has 24 hours in a day and we need to sleep eight of those. So we actually have 16 hours in a day to do everything in our lives. And, you know, that's enough time for us to do an amazing, amazing job. And here's some of the things we did with that. She said, but 16 hours is the numerator. You can't keep adding tasks to the denominator and expect to get the same output because you cannot change the numerator. We have to sleep. I mean, and if we don't sleep, We're more error prone. We're more grumpy. Mm. (laughs) We're more sick. We're gonna miss more work. It doesn't work. The math doesn't work. And so she said, Denise, I was a workaholic for 20 years. I never did the math. Oh, I only have 16 hours. I can't add any more hours to the day. So she was the only person in the department. She got two headcount. She was the only person to get the headcount. And you know what? She was totally ready to go. Like you said. She was she was not upset. She said I'm just going to do the, do the best I can at making this case and if I don't get it, I'm ready to walk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm amazing. I'll get a job. <laughs> and so, and she says, "And if I don't, I'll come work with you or <laughs> she said, I'll figure, awesome. it out. "I'll figure it out." So I think her for her doing the math and for analytical people your health will fail. It's not subjective. If you keep trying to do more, and if leaders keep trying to get more out of people, and I know we keep, you know, banging on leadership, but the reason they're making these decisions is because they're feeling pressure, and they have stories in their brains telling them, I have to do more with less. So it's contagious, and if you bring uh, level-headedness sanity, uh, emotional intelligence, calmness, if you bring that into the workplace or the the Zoom place, um, that will be contagious. And if you start to make requests in the way you've described, and if you start to set boundaries in the way you've described, that will be contagious. But you can't wait for somebody else to do it. You have to find ways to do uh, self-care Absolutely. missed your breath? I'm thinking about your dog Brutus now. Oh, yes. Did I cut out?
0: You did. It's, uh, sorry, did you say that again?
1: Um, well, I don't know where I cut out, but even just taking small breaths and becoming mm-hmm. aware of your breath and the way you hold it, like dogs never hold their breath right? They, they just constantly breathe into their diaphragm or whatever dogs have in their below their lungs. Whereas humans, we hold our breath and then we start this chain reaction of this cortisol dump in our system. So even just taking a deep breath and feeling your feet on the floor is a great start. And then asking yourself a question, like, what about this is in my control? Yes. I
0: love that advice. And I use that with my clients as well. And something when I feel overwhelmed or when I have clients who are overwhelmed, the best advice I ever got was from one of my coaches years ago. And she said, Is this going to matter tomorrow? Is it going to matter next week? Is it going to matter next month, next year, in 10 years? And that's been so huge in my prioritization and what kind of things I hold on to and not. Because we've all been there, where you get that email and you're just fuming and you just want to, you know. And is it going to matter tomorrow? Probably not. You know, is pushing back when someone's trying to double your workload or not going to give you extra staff? Is that going to matter in a year? Absolutely. So that can be one way to pick your battles. and how, for how long is this gonna really
1: matter? Definitely. And I can be really annoying with my clients. And so when they're really, really agitated about something, I will have them finish this sentence. And I will have them finish the sentence that starts with, what's great about this is. <laughs> 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 so if we go back to your example, what's great about having uh, double my staff, uh, double the people to manage, half the budget, um, What's great about that is I'm finally going to start my own business. Mm. They are backing me into a corner because I was so full of fear that it took that for me to do my own thing. Thank you. It's amazing. Sometimes I get nervous when I say it, but every time I ask a client, what's great about that? First of all, they roll their eyes at me and then they (laughs) finish the sentence. (laughs)
0: I was going to say. Well, now they don't even roll like their that. eyes at me. They're just like, oh,
1: you got to, but you got to be in the right mood for it. You got to be, because yeah. when somebody comes to me, they're wanting to feel better. And so they already know because I've worked on them with some other questions to start with. Like your question is a much less eye rolling question. Is this going to matter tomorrow? <laughs> and. um and there are other ways to ask the question, like, what's important about this? what's, ups- what ups- what's really upsetting me about this? Um, but I'm telling you, what's great about this is, and if people ask themselves, "What is great in my life because of this pandemic that we're experiencing, they will find something. I know they will.
0: And you know it's really hard sometimes to ask, it doesn't for mean. Yes answer that question in the moment. <laughs> um sometimes right. it's easier to reflect back. Like I can look back at March and April now and I can think of things that were came out of it that were wonderful. Sometimes if I'm really feeling not in a good place and you ask me that I'm like, oh there's nothing nothing good. But I think right. just taking even time to have some gratitude and I know some people keep gratitude journals or um Or even just have a practice of at the end of your workday, just stopping and saying, you know, I'm really thankful for, and it might have nothing to do with work. But so that I think helps me to get myself in a really good place for them when I switch hats and I'm, I'm mom, Jen, or I'm wife, Jen, and I'm not still heavy from whatever work stuff was discouraging to me.
1: Yep, um, I'm with you. Gratitude is the antidote for stress. If you generally, if you genuinely let gratitude, the emotion, vibrate in your body, um, you cannot feel the cortisol dump at the same time. So you will definitely feel immediately better, no matter what is going on. If you if you just do that practice you just said, and if if filling in that blank is too hard in the moment, you can also shift to curiosity and ask yourself. What pain is that person in? What pain is that person, whether it's that vice president, that CEO, what pain might they be in? Hmm. Um, And then you might get curious. And it'll just shift you a little bit out of your own pain into what's going on for them. And you may not know, but you may start to get curious. And my God, sometimes it's amazing. You find out you didn't know that somebody had an autistic child. You didn't know that somebody just had a loved one die. You you just didn't know. But now you start to get curious and you start to wonder and you just start to be less absorbed in your own um, business. And if you can't get curious about that person you can also say, what is this teaching me about what I value? Because that's what our emotions tell us. I value feeling in control. Every human being wants to feel a little bit in control and it can just help you notice, ah, this is triggering something that I really care about right now. And that is why I'm experiencing this pain that I'm in right now. So, we're just like ratcheting down the level of pain that somebody's in because it's true. There are going to be things that are not in our control. So, how do we shift our state so that we feel better no matter what the circumstances are? Well, said. I think you have given us some amazing tips for, you know, possibly actually getting what you want. And then knowing when you're breaking, where your
0: breaking point is. Mm-hmm. And I think the, just the biggest thing to emphasize is, please just take care of yourself, and don't feel apologetic for it. Like you know, we said at the beginning, this is we all, our whole world actually is going through trauma related to the pandemic, and so treat it as such. And you know, be kind and gentle to yourself, because I think sometimes we treat the people around us. A whole lot better than we treat ourselves.
1: Amen to that. And um be more like Brutus.
0: So <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, I should set up on my website that people can have a free uh free consultation with Brutus.
1: <laughs> we'll show you how to live in the moment.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: Okay, awesome. So uh, we will put your information in the show notes, but you want to just say what uh, how people can find you?
0: Yes, I have a website, ambitionleadership.com. And on my homepage, you'll see a couple of offers for podcast guests or, or the podcast audience. And um, I am offering a free consultation with me if you just want to talk and see if coaching would be of interest to you. And then I also have an offer with an emotional intelligence assessment um, at a great price that comes with a debrief. And we've been talking a lot about stress, stress tolerance, emotional expression, and those are all components of emotional intelligence. And the assessment's just a really fun way to see it on paper, where your strengths are, where your development areas are, and how you can use the areas where you're strong to help compensate for those areas of emotional intelligence where it's harder. Awesome, and the world could use
1: more emotional intelligence. Absolutely. I think our country's about to get a little bit more of it. I'm very excited about that too. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so our next venture is going to be workingdog.com. It's a podcast that Brutus and Andy will lead. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you know, I
0: bet we'd have a lot of people tune in.
1: (laughs) For all of you with dogs that are smarter than the average dog and busier than the average dog, there will be a place for you to go to. All right. Well, thank you, Jennifer. This has been too much fun. Um, Thank you. I'm so fortunate to have met you and we will definitely be staying in touch and thank you so much and tell Brutus hello and thank you for all the tips you've given me with regard to Andy. He's enjoying his new puzzles. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad.
0: Oh, I wish we lived closer and could take him on a walk together.
1: I do too, but I'm definitely going to be trying to enjoy my walks like Andy. Although I have to do, I, I have to say I enjoy my walks way more than most people because one of my self-care techniques is to have a playlist of awesome uh, my listeners will probably know that I call it my funeral playlist um, because I have a kind of dark sense of humor and um, <clears throat> have come a little close closer than I'd like to that moment. So uh, it's the music that makes me so freaking happy that I dance on my walk <laughs> and I just don't oh. care. So, so um, that would be another self-care thing that people can do is just make a playlist that makes you so happy when you listen to it that you can't help but... Uh, dance when you're not trying to walk, um, enjoy your walks like your dog.
0: (laughs) That's a great idea. Or you can dance with your dog. You know, so many options. There are so many options.
1: All right. Well, it has been a true pleasure and um, I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day.
0: Oh, thank you. You too. And say hi to Andy. Thanks for listening to Work Life Brilliance. If you want to be coached by Denise, join her in the Work Life Brilliance Academy where wholehearted humans are becoming the best version of themselves. Accepting applications now at wlbacademy.com.